0: What's your gimmick be as a Spider-Man? I mean, there's so many. Like there's countless. So, if you were going to be one, I don't know, what would be your thing?
1: Yeah, I think I would uh, be my own on my own earth, whatever earth it may be, earth 4200, whatever it may be. I would start my own business. It would just be called Spidermaids. Um wow. I use my web, my webbing and whatever whatever what other powers I have to just clean houses like 4 times as fast as your average maid. Just have a uh, successful business, you know, just cleaning houses all around New York.
2: I guess your arch nemesis would be the Dust Bunny.
1: Hmm, maybe (laughs) so. (laughs) That's fun, huh?
0: (laughs) Keith is running a successful business, and that I kind of I appreciate that. That ties into mine because I just want to finally bring our probably the the true hero of all these Spider Man stories, Jay Jonah Jameis. I think we can all agree with that. I'm just tired that he's not getting the pictures that he definitely honestly frankly has earned and deserved so my spider-man gimmick would be that i'm a professional photographer (laughs) wow (laughs) you'd finally be a peter parker who's actually good at his job exactly yeah thank you thank you for saying that yeah and also speaking of good at my job i do actually save uncle ben from dying (laughs)
2: oh wow you i mean frankly you're the best of us that's
0: what i was hoping you guys would say What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Arnie's. We are three web-slingers looking to do some good work in the multiverse. I'm Matt Johnson. I just hope somebody eventually and finally gets Jonah his precious pictures of Spider-Man. I'm Keith Baker, and I think I would suck at graffiti.
2: And I'm Austin Terry. And my favorite part
0: of all these Spider-Man movies is watching Uncle Ben die. On today's show, of course, we're talking about another huge release five years in the making with Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse. Into the Spider-Verse burst onto the scene in 2018 and ended up not only garnering, I think, surprising incredible reviews, not just good reviews, but insane reviews, and it also went on to win the Academy Award for Best Animated Feature. Austin and Keith, I want to know, what were your expectations going into this, as well as your non-spoiler thoughts on Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse? This is especially exciting because, Keith... As long as we've been doing this podcast, there's been a small list of movies that you keep that they'll come up occasionally. And you're like, "Ah, I got to watch the original. I got to watch X movie or Y movie. And Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, I know, is one of those. This was your first time watching. So both of you jump in here. What were your thoughts?
1: So, yeah, I had not seen Into the Spider-Verse before. And I know you guys have been hyping it up since it came out. I watched the, new, uh, watched the original and went right to the theater after and watched this new one. So, yeah, I'm loving this universe so far. Definitely a different take um, than the other three Spider-Mans we've gotten live action as far as Andrew Garfield and uh, Tom Holland and, and Tobey Maguire. But yeah, Miles Morales is a really cool uh, different take on Peter, or not Peter Parker, Miles Morales, uh, a non-Peter Parker character and uh, a new Spider-Man suit and style and, and different types of powers. So yeah, I think this is a really cool universe so far. So I'm digging it.
2: Yeah, I'm a huge fan of the Spider-Verse franchise so far. Um, the first one blew me away. It was one of my favorite movies of the year when it came out. I would definitely say it's one of my favorite Spider-Man movies to be made. I don't think I'm in the minority there. It's so well received. So, I obviously had super high expectations for the sequel, but I'm happy to say it met all of my expectations and probably even exceeded them. Um, I had a blast at this movie. I think the story is so much more interesting. I think some of the characters they chose to give time to that maybe more maybe had been more side characters in the first movie also helped kind of fill out this universe. Um, and then, of course, Miles Morales being the titular character. Um, the first one just kind of really helped introduce him to me. He's actually the reason I started reading um, Miles Morales comic books and the kind of time that's passed between this first and the sequel one. So I've definitely become a huge Miles Morales fan. I like that he's his own character and kind of um, just fully different from Peter Parker. He even comes from a different part of New York than Peter does. So he has his own um, perspectives and goals that he brings to being Spider-Man. So overall, just huge fan of this franchise. Sequel blew me away. The only kind of minor critique I could come up with is I I think you could argue that this does have a bit of a, a setup movie, kind of middle movie problem, but everything they presented to us was so much fun that it didn't bother me that much. I was just happy to be along for the ride and just kind of back into this universe. So absolute recommendation for me. I think everybody should go see this and definitely go out to theaters to see it. It's a gorgeous movie, it's hilarious. Everything you loved about the first one is there. Um and then there's just kind of some I, I would say it's just more of everything you loved from the first one. So huge recommendation for me.
0: Yeah, I definitely third everything that you guys have said. Um I've been, you know, long waiting this movie. It's crazy to think that it's been five years since the original. Uh love the original. I think I was excited to see it when it came out, but it, I think like a lot of people, you know, going into it is like, wow, I I, I expected this would be good, but this turned out to be pretty unbelievable. And um yeah, this one pretty much the same. Honestly, yeah, it's certainly an interesting take for a sequel, especially when the first one, while dealing with some of that multiverse stuff, it is still relatively a small er story. Uh, kind of a fits that void that I think some of the Tom Holland movies gave us, where it's like this is cool. You know, it's interesting to after several iterations of Spider Man see a version like with the Avengers and like in the MCU. But I do kind of miss some of those smaller, more like friendly neighborhood Spider-Man moments and stories, and I think um, Into the Spider-Verse like did a good balance of like telling this kind of like wacky multiverse story, but still kind of feeling uh, small and grounded in uh, that kind of friendly neighborhood feel. So I love that about the first one, and this one definitely uh, goes into uh, much bigger. Um, it is uh, kind of tapping into that multiverse stuff. A lot more, but I guess every movie is doing that now. It feels like lots of franchises are tackling multiverses, even smaller movies, even like your best picture winner with everything everywhere all at once. Um, but I don't know. I, I loved it. Like for all the reasons I was nervous about kind of tapping into that larger uh, world, I was like, they kind of proved me wrong at every turn. I, it still felt um, kind of small, kind of contained. Uh, there was huge stakes, but it's still you have those great character moments. It feels I don't know. It's it's a very touching and engaging movie and the animation is just out of control. Like the first one kind of set some standards and created some new uh I think possibilities and this one feels like it somehow did the exact same thing. Like it's just crazy what they're doing. So, yeah, I have a lot to say about it. I have a couple nitpicks with the movie. I don't think I have any like major issues. Maybe one that's like eh, I didn't love that, but really all of the issues I did end up like coming away with once the credits rolled were I would say nitpicks for the most part. So nothing really, you know, worth talking about yet um, until we get to spoiler territory. I guess maybe one thing is I, I will uh, second what Austin said, which is like, you know, it's always tough being the second movie, especially when, you know, the third one is right around the corner. And this one was originally billed as like across the Spider-Verse part one and part two. So there are elements of the ending where you're like, OK, they did kind of cut off in the middle of a character's arc. And so there's elements of this movie that don't have good resolution. And I think it's because like, well, we'll do it in the next one. But, you know, you still want to feel that resolution. So some 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 ways they kind of got there and then some ways they didn't. But, you know, I, can, I still can't wait for the next one.
2: Yeah, we'll definitely get into that more later. I, I think the other thing worth calling out while we're in non-spoilers is I think a lot of time with superhero movies, um, there can be a tendency to just kind of lean in on to spectacle and maybe try to like show the audience some really cool stuff. But the fun part about this movie, too, is there are it's a at its core, it's a really interesting like family story. And so even when like the suits aren't on and they're just kind of standing and talking, all the dialogue is so interesting. All the there's so many jokes that kind of keep you engaged that as much as I love seeing all the Spider-Man and everything like that, at the end of the day, like the Miles Morales family is still Very interesting, and I like that they kind of kept them at the center of this movie, too.
1: Yeah, same. Definitely a different take than the Peter Parker family dynamic, where usually Uncle Ben is gone, so you just have Aunt May. Um, I like that we get to see him and his uncle and his mom and dad, and they're more involved in the everyday life of of Miles, I guess.
0: Alrighty, well, with that, let's go ahead and drop the spoiler warning, because there is so much we got to get to when it comes to this movie. I mean, I have, like... So many things I'm excited to hear about when it comes to uh, certain scenes. I want to know what you guys thought. So we can't really get into that um, until we get to our spoiler section. So if you have not yet seen Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse, what are you doing? Uh, If you haven't seen the first one, you got to pull a Keith strategy here. Just watch the first one so you can finally see this great sequel. Go see it and then come on back and listen to the rest of our episode. Uh, But here we go. If you have seen it, it's time to get to the nitty gritty, guys. Let's get into spoilers. everybody welcome to spoiler territory let's get into this i cannot wait like i said before we get to all of our roundtable discussion points austin and keith how about you start us off with some cast and crew talk all right so spider-man
2: across the spider-verse is directed by Joaquim dos santos kemp powers and justin k thompson it's written by phil lord chris miller and david callaham and our lead animator for the franchise is nick kondo our score for this movie is composed by daniel pemberton and of course, based on the Miles Morales Spider-Man comics created by Brian Michael Bendis and Sarah Pacelli.
1: All right. And going through our cast, we have Shamik Moore as Miles Morales, Spider-Man. Haley Steinfeld as Gwen Stacy, Spider-Woman. Brian Tyree Henry as Jefferson Davis. Luna Lauren Velez as Rio Morales. Jay Johnson as Peter B. Parker. Jason Schwartzman as The Spot. Isa Rae as Jessica Drew. Karen Sony as Spider-Man India. Shay Wigham as Captain Stacy. Andy Samberg as Ben Riley, Scarlet Spider. Amanda Stenberg as Spider-Bite. And we have J.K. Simmons as every version of J. Jonah Jameson. And we got Daniel Kaluuya as Spider-Punk. And we got Mahershala Ali as Uncle Aaron. And Oscar Isaac as Miguel O'Hara, Spider-Man 2099. All right, guys. There's our cast and crew. Any positives, any negatives? What do we got? I'm just
2: going to give a highlight to everybody that touched this movie. This is just a a team that is operating at the top of their game. Uh, the animation is beautiful. The writing is interesting and hilarious. All of the voice acting is top notch. Uh, it's it, like almost impossible to find anything wrong with this movie. So my highlight is everything. Um, this franchise is beautiful, incredible, smart, intelligent, funny. Like any any acronym or, or descriptive word you want to throw out there, you can apply to this franchise. So everybody gets a highlight for me.
1: Yeah, pretty much. I'll just second that. Um, and I guess I'll just shout out Nick Kondo as the lead animator. Watching uh, Into the Spider-Verse for the first time and then going into the sequel, I was blown away by both um, as far as the animation goes. Everything looks so cool. And then when they introduce different Spider-Mans from other universes, they have their own animation style in, uh, going into it. So, uh, yeah, it's really fun. And it's, it's like super trippy looking a lot of the time when you're watching it. Um, and then combine that with the soundtrack as well. Just makes this like such a feel-good, like badass type thing to sit through on uh both viewings of, of both movies.
0: Yeah, every character has their own distinct style. So I mean, I don't know how they did it. I don't know how they made it all feel new and refreshing and fun and exciting and all the good things. So yeah, like you guys, I'll go ahead and uh shout out basically anybody that had anything to do with the animation of this movie. I think uh, you know, they're the unsung heroes a lot of the time when it comes to big budget movies, whether it be like the VFX team or kind of those people involved with the effects, but it's kinda of like this whole movie is that. So uh anybody, you know, kind of behind the scenes that was involved with that clearly, you know, knocked their job out of the park. Um, on the cast side, it's tough. I mean, I guess I also agree with that. You guys said there's not a bad note here. I kind of want to shout out everybody. I do want to shout out Daniel Kaluuya for sure as Spider Punk. I just I don't know. I just love that they went full bore with it. Uh just having him use his natural accent. I thought it was just a it was a fun new uh Spider-Man. Um I have been reading a lot that a lot of th- I guess, like just in general, it doesn't seem like it's a theater to theater issue. It just seems like a lot of people are having issues with the audio mixing of this movie. It's so low. The volume is way too low. (laughs) It's low, and it's that classic thing where the dialogue is really low, but everything else is really loud. Uh, The two examples people are talking about is the opening where Gwen is like monologuing over, like the like basically explaining what happened in Into the Spider Verse. I was literally looking around, like. feel like i need subtitles and i'm in a movie theater i had no idea <laughs> I, was, I was thinking that too. Was yeah. so luckily we had seen into the spider verse <laughs> otherwise i was like oh i don't know what happened in the last one and then the other example is you know spider punk just seems like he's very low in general um but daniel kaluuya still made it work so but i don't know everybody in the cast was incredible i, I love jason schwartzman and everything and him is like a kind of nerdy dorky like i'm gonna be your ultimate villain and then by the end you're like oh shit he's the ultimate villain it's like <laughs> a very good like uh turn to menacing so but everybody was great all right well, let's move on here you know what we thought of the movie but what are the critics saying i don't think it's gonna shock anybody spider-man across the spider-verse received universal critical acclaim and currently has a 95 over on rotten tomatoes the site's critical consensus is Just as visually dazzling and action-packed as its predecessor, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse thrills from start to cliffhanger conclusion. Praise went toward the animation, story, humor, vocal performances, and musical score. All great stuff. And I was really hoping for like a reference to basketball or something from this logline. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We didn't get a fun logline like last time uh, or a few times good with air where basically the critical consensus was just like, Wow, this one's nothing but net. What a slam dunk.
2: (laughs) Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse sure is web-slinging fun.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's the quote you have to say if you want your quote to get onto the back of the uh, Blu-ray box. Web-slinging fun. (laughs) They certainly spun a web of thrills with this one. (laughs) I
2: hope I can untangle from my web of comedy. (laughs)
0: Man, all the jokes killed me, just like Uncle Ben when he got shot. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, you all can take those quotes, uh, save that for the Blu-ray release. Uh, But with that, let's go ahead and dig a little bit deeper. Let's get into our roundtable discussion, the main part of our show, where we each bring a couple points that we specifically want to spend more time on. I'm really excited about this. So who wants to start today?
2: Yeah, so just like the first movie kind of brought Miles Morales uh, to the forefront um this movie I think more so brings Gwen Stacy to the forefront. She almost feels like the second lead, especially her um kind of her version of Spider-Man or Spider-Woman. Um so I just want to know your thoughts on that. Obviously, you know Miles Morales occupies I would say 80% of the first movie. This one I think it's probably closer to 60 and the other 40 is dedicated to Gwen. Um were you sad that Miles was not the main focus of this movie or are you happy you got to learn more about Gwen and her background?
1: I was kind of surprised by it and like you said I think she does kind of come off as a second lead in this one. But yeah, I guess I could say I wanted a little bit more Miles in this movie. I I, I don't I wouldn't say it's an overall negative for me though. Um I think cuz I think they play off really well off each other. And I think and I think her character of Gwen is very interesting, so I was fine with it overall.
0: Yeah, me too. I I was definitely surprised um in a good way, I guess. But like whenever the movie opened and she gets this kind of uh extended like prologue, like pre-opening like uh, opening credits, um, like moment. Like not only do we get her kind of narrating what happened in the last movie, but then we just spend time on her earth for a while. And I thought it was an awesome opening. <laughs> like it was, it, it kind of like perfectly encapsulated the last movie because the opening of this, like of her struggling post the events of the last movie, basically, I guess like a year and a few months, they said. um was just like the last movie, like all, all into one. Like I said, it's like, it's really funny. It's really sad. It's really heartfelt. It's action packed. Like the seat of the museum I thought was awesome. Uh, it, it introduces some stakes and it kind of like, you know, gets the movie rolling. Like they kind of just, I was like, wow, they're, they're nailing this. But yeah, I was surprised that she was more of a second lead, but I was very happy by the end that she was. Um, And they focused on her in a great way because frankly, I think she's the only character like I referenced in the non-spoiler section that actually gets a full arc in this movie. I understand there's a part two coming, you know, in less than a year from now that will kind of wrap up the story. But Miles, of course, I mean, he certainly did not get resolution to his arc in this movie. I guess they're saving that for the next one that kind of cuts off in the middle of his arc, actually. Uh, but her kind of um, reconciling all these things is literally like kind of paid off at the very end uh, whenever it cuts off and says to be continued. So I was just happy that like they spent so much time on her from a writing perspective, because I think she's the character that comes away with the most like concrete, solid, easy to follow arc in the movie. Um, but she was great. And whenever we transitioned back into Miles after that, I was like, I just kind of felt like I was back in the swing of things, no pun intended. Uh, so they were able to jump back and forth pretty easily. And I never felt like I missed like one of them over the other. Like whenever we were watching one of them, I wasn't like, oh, let's get back to the other one, because I think what they were doing with both was so interesting. And then by the time, like, once Miles, like, follows Gwen into the um a portal and enters, like, all these other dimensions and kind of finally becomes part of that world. Like, from that, the rest of the movie on, they're kind of together, but um I don't know. I, I just loved all their stuff, and I appreciated that Gwen got, a like, a nice full arc, like I said.
2: Yeah, I was definitely surprised as well, like you two were. Um, but I think the key thing you said there, Matt, is I never felt like I was missing out, so... I thought the time with Gwen was very well spent. Um, Haley Stanfield is definitely a standout from the first movie. And so I like that she got more time to shine in this movie. And I really loved the origin they gave here. I like the idea of this Peter Parker became the lizard um, as from an accident. It's just like kind of a fun twist. It kind of makes sense, too, with kind of his science background. So love that. Um, Love how she kind of said, like, she's been alone since Peter died until she met Miles. So you really kind of felt for her and were excited for her to reconnect with Miles later on in the movie. Um, so yeah, everything I think we got from her was perfect. And that's the fun thing about this movie is it is definitely a Miles movie still, but all the characters they have surrounded Miles with are just as interesting as he is.
1: I know it's a the theme of these two movies that were in the Spider-Verse. I mean, it's in, it's in the, both of the titles. Um, but did you guys want more of Miles, uh, being your, like your regular everyday Spider-Man? We had a long opening with Gwen and then, then it, then it cuts to Miles. Would you guys have rather maybe had that? that opening with Gwen later in the movie and have more of a opening with Miles being your regular everyday Spider-Man? Or did y'all just want more in general of Miles kind of just fighting crime in New York?
2: For me, I didn't want that. I think I get enough of it in the montages that they do. I would have felt like I had the same issue I did with Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness where they set it up that this is going to be a crazy multiversal movie and then they go to two places and neither one of them are very exciting. So I'm glad that this one spent more time taking me to no- new places Showing me new new stuff, alter variations, and things like that. So I was happy with the amount of time they spent balancing everyday miles and then the crazy multidimensional stuff.
0: Yeah, kind of same for me. Like I said, going into it, I was nervous because I was like, okay, obviously the first one dealt, you know, with some multiverse stuff, but still, I don't know the way they did it. It didn't feel too crazy. I think, namely by having all these characters fall into Miles's uh, Earth. It's not like he's traveling to theirs, and whenever we kind of found out that this one. Would be more about Miles actually traversing the multiverse. I was like, okay, we get a lot of that now and a lot of different things. I just hope it's not too much, and it doesn't feel like too much of a far cry from the first one. But yeah, I think I'm with Austin. Like while yeah, there is a shit ton of multiverse stuff. We spend a lot of time in other universes. We even like spend time in kind of the hub where all of them are uh uh like able to access uh, all the all the said universes. Um I still feel like maybe it's just because of the story they were telling. It still felt small somehow. I don't know how they necessarily did it, but because it still felt like a real Spider-Man conundrum of like, I have the opportunity to, you know, save a loved one. But if I do that, I could potentially doom other people. And then it's like, you have other spider people telling you like, well, man, you know, sacrifice is kind of our thing. It makes us better, you know, get over it. It's like, well, that's fucked up. It's like, because that was kind of the stake of the movie, which, In the grand scheme of things, is kind of a small thing. Uh, It still kind of felt, I think, small to its core from a story perspective. And on top of that, you still get those great moments. I remember whenever we talked about the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies, I always talk about how I love that interpretation of Peter Parker because it's so hard for him to be Spider-Man. He has to juggle so much. And even just in the few scenes with kind of Gwen and Miles, like doing their thing, you kind of get that. I mean, like Gwen, like basically, is forced into perspective where she has to. Um, unveil herself and she ends up doing it to her dad and her dad does not have the reaction that you would maybe think he would he you know tries to arrest her and they kind of break that relationship off for a while I know with Miles like we're literally watching like very good Spider-Man 2 adjacent type scenes where you know he's just trying to fucking Get to a meeting with his parents and his teacher to kind of discuss college options. But he can't because there's a new villain that's trying to rob a store that's trying to be the new ultimate villain threat. Um, and he's like, I can't do this right now. And then also he's like, oh, I just got to get home. I was supposed to pick up some cakes for my dad's party, but, oh, robbers keep robbing people. <laughs> like, uh, my webs are fucked up. So now I have to take the subway. I can't swing. Just like stuff like that. There was enough of those little moments where it did feel very grounded in the neighborhood. Um, and I liked watching both like respectively Gwen and Miles deal with the those issues. So there was enough of that interspersed throughout all the multiverse stuff for me.
2: I also like too on on top of those kind of everyday moments, there was also room for some quieter move some quieter moments in this movie. Like I, I loved just seeing Gwen and Miles swing across the city and have fun because I think a lot of Spider-Man content misses out on that, where it still would be really fun to have these powers and be able to swing around and do these tricks. So I like that we got a five ten minute sequence of them just having fun being Spider-Man and Spider-Woman.
1: Yeah, and like the way the animation plays in that too, um, like when they're hanging upside down from like the Chrysler building.
2: That shot of New York was gorgeous. Yeah. Just insane how good that looks.
1: These movies do a great job of portraying New York too. Like you can, we were kind of talking shit about the sound earlier with the audio, but as far as like the city sounds though... Um, you definitely feel like you're in New York when you're watching these animated movies. And sometimes you forget they're not animated, too, especially when they kind of bring mm-hmm. in the non-animated stuff uh, later on.
2: How did you feel coming right off of the first one into this, Keith? Was there a noticeable step up in quality, or did it feel like a connected thread across the animation
1: styles of the first and the second movie? To me, it just felt like I was watching one long, like, three- or four-hour movie. Like, it, it just flowed really well right into each other. And then the animation, I think, just gets better as it goes on. Um, and as you get more into the Spider-Verse, obviously, was it like a step up or a step down? It's definitely, I would say, a step up, but, it, but it's just kind of a slight step up in the fact that they, they still flow really well into each other. It just feels like you're watching a series at that, at that point.
2: Yeah, I think they both definitely feel connected. It's cool, too, because the first one, I think, really pushed the boundaries of animation, especially with how popular it was. Like, this one showed that audiences would go out to see an animated adult movie in theaters. Um, and I think this one, they clearly got a larger budget and it seems like they just put it into the animation. Like I, I think it's, I wouldn't say it's a noticeable improvement, but I think some of those shots of like the New York skyline and things like that, like we maybe wouldn't have gotten that in the first one. Cause they didn't have the resources to make it so pretty. But in this one, I felt like they were kind of just showing off of how good they are at doing this sort of stuff.
0: I mean, it's just crazy. It's just like a visual Like, feast. It's crazy to look at. And then, like, it takes a while for your eyes to get adjusted, just like the first one, but that's kind of cool. Then you just, like, totally feel like you're part of the world, which is also weird to say it because there's so many different worlds within this. And I think that's a huge positive of this movie that um, the first one gave us, like, glimpses of, like, oh, here's a quick backstory on Spider Man noir. It's black and white. Here's, like, a quick little look at what that might look like. Or, like, you know, Spider Ham the entire time is a different animation style than the rest of them. But this one, we're actually going into these other worlds and spending a lot of time there. And each of these universes looks drastically different from an animation perspective. They're doing completely different things. Uh, the characters like take on a different like shading, or I don't necessarily know what you would call it. It's like their design changes a little bit whenever they go world to world. Um, but man, there was just so much good stuff here. Like whenever in Gwen's world, it's like a painting, basically. It's like whenever she's upset, you start to see the paint like, drip down the screen, like it's running a little bit. But then whenever, like, she and her dad make up at the end, it just gets progressively brighter and brighter. It's like, what a cool, simple idea. Miles' world looks awesome as well. I love the uh, Spider-Man 2099, just, like, sleek look. It looked different. It still felt clean. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I was very clean. And then the the Mumbatton, the Spider-Man India world, I was like, this just looks so cool. I just loved how... Whenever we fell into it for the first time, it was like, is this 2D? And like elements of it were, but then like, I don't know. And then like after a few minutes, it just feels totally normal. Like watching Miles and the characters that we recognize there. Uh, So yeah, tons of different animation styles within one movie. And it all, like you said, it, it kind of flowed naturally, which is an impressive feat.
2: Did you guys want them to tell you more about Miguel being a vampire? Like they just kind of mentioned yeah. that, and, and it that never comes weird. up again.
1: I guess I forgot about that.
2: Yeah, I'm not
0: surprised, Keith. Well, I can see why you're well. it's, it's one line in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's very strange. I, I, I know a little bit about Spider-Man 2099. I know he's very different from other Spider-People in terms of what his powers are. Uh, But yeah, in the beginning of the movie, whenever they're fighting the really fucking cool animated vulture, that's like their renaissance vulture, and Miguel's like, don't make me do this. And like it shows like in silhouette, he opens his mouth and like you see his fangs and he's like clearly, I guess he's about to bite him, but then he gets interrupted and doesn't do it. And then like later, I think Gwen jokes like he's like a vampire ninja Spider-Man. It's like, whoa, that's cool. And then there's also one shot like later in the movie of Miguel by himself, and, like, he's, like, monologuing about, like, I'm not like the rest of them. And then, like, he injects himself with something. And, like, the way the dialogue was going was it made me go, like, is he, like, doing this so he doesn't have to drain people's blood? And that's all they – that's the only references during in the entire movie. But from what I remember – I'd have to look it up. But I think um, through, like, experimentation and, like, trying to recreate Spider-Man and, you know, obviously the year 2099, Miguel, like, accidentally turns himself into a spider person uh but because of the like experiments he was doing he like becomes much more like a spider than other spider people so like he has fangs and i if i remember right they're like paralytic venom so like he's kind of more like a spider in the sense that he could bite somebody and like paralyze them and so then he can take them in so it's not like he's draining people's blood but the way the movie portrayed it is like oh is he like a literal vampire <laughs> <laughs> his webs look cool that shit though so all forget it yeah It's like orange nylon or whatever. Crazy. So let's continue with that kind of along that point of thinking because I definitely think um, Miguel um, and the spot, obviously, those are our two main villains here. So we can do some villain talk. I want to kind of see what you guys thought. We talked a little bit about the spot kind of having a cool transition from – and they even use the phrase villain of the week. Like whenever you first meet him, it's like, oh, this is going to be the guy that Miles like just fights to – kind of have a cool action scene towards the beginning of the first act or whatever. And then by the end he becomes, you know, truly, to his point, I do think you can make the argument based on his origin story and Miles's origin story that they are each other's arch nemesis. And it's kind of a fun trajectory to watch that. And then with Miguel, it's a bit more of um I guess I don't I don't really know what you would call it. I I definitely think he is. It's fair to say he is maybe not a villain, if you want to use like the verbiage. Maybe he's the proper antagonist of the movie based on kind of his rapport with Miles and like all the things he tells him about not truly being a spider person and being willing to stop him from saving his dad from dying, because there's a potential that it could, you know, doom that universe and maybe other ones too. So I just yeah, what'd you guys think of our villains this time around? Because I think even though Into the Spider-Verse was great, I I I do kind of go with a lot of people that say maybe the weakest part is Kingpin in that movie. It's fine. It's not bad. It's just not super memorable, um, in terms of motivation and all that jazz. What'd you guys think this time
2: around? Yeah, I guess I'll start with Miguel. Um, I, maybe I should wait to reserve judgment until we see the third one. I was happy when this movie be started because from the trailers, they definitely were teasing him to be the main villain. Um, and of course it starts out with him as an ally and they, I, I whenever he first appears on screen, I was like, okay, I guess we'll see him turn later on. But then the more time we spent with him, I was like, wow, I guess they subverted my expectations because it seems like he's going to stay a good guy. Like they actually had me convinced he may just be a good dude in this movie. And then, of course, he he turns at the end. So and maybe that was a little disappointing. The main part I liked about him, and I wish they had explored it more, was when he kind of does his his long monologue and goes, I am the only one that's been holding all this together. And it just seems like he's so stressed and tightly wound and I wish they had explored that more of how tough this has been for him to hold all of this together once he discovered the multiverse.
0: Yeah, I don't know. There there was, um, this is the thing I was kind of addressing at the non-spoiler section of like uh, all my issues with the movie. I would call them nitpicks. This is probably the one which is a bigger issue for me. And it's not Miguel, really. It's really just, I understand the stakes of the movie. And the stakes of the movie, I think, are actually great. Uh, but I'm just a little bit confused about the steak. So it's not a steak issue. It may be a bit more of a stake confusion or a vampire steak. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> good call. I just don't think the movie quite got there. I think maybe it got 80% of the way there when it came to kind of expressing and helping the audience understand what's actually going on. Um, but it didn't kind of uh, get to the end zone on that one with Miguel, I understand why he's doing it. The thing that's like categorically unbelievable is that he was able to convince thousands. I don't know how many spider people to join his side. And his side is basically we discovered through an algorithm that there are canon events that have to happen to all of our various spider people throughout the multiverse. Um, And if they don't happen, the world will tear itself apart. And I know because I witnessed it happen one time. Um, And the fact that all these spider people would be like, okay, cool, let's ensure that all these other people like me have their loved ones die. And if we, don't, if we can't stop it, then maybe something bad will happen. It's just unbelievable.
2: I think the way I interpreted that was Miguel found these other Spider-Men after they'd already had their canon events. So right. he wasn't asking them to let people die. He was just letting them know maybe the reason why it had to happen. And I think what was different for Miles is he was discovering this before
0: his captain died in his world. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. It, it, yeah.
1: Hmm. And so, what was Gwen's? Because Gwen's dad hasn't died yet. Does she have a? But
2: he death? never became a captain though, because so he that's retired. The,
0: that's the weird thing. Her canon event, I bet, was Peter Parker dying. Oh, yeah. I guess that's true. Well, they they say that there's multiple canon events like per Spider person. I don't know. I guess that's my point. It's just I'm a little bit confused about it all.
1: Yeah, and I'm probably jumping ahead here, but like at the end, whenever we get, he goes to the wrong universe, and he's his uncle Aaron's alive, and his dad is dead. Um, and then he discovers the Miles Morales of that world's The Prowler it was like, was that Miles Morales Spider Man before in that world, or was he never Spider Man in that world?
2: No, that's the world that never got a Spider Man because that world Spider bit Miles in his world. Oh, yeah, that's right, the that's spot right, that's right.
0: Accidentally transferred that Spider to their universe. I'm excited that
2: this Miles ended up in that world because he gets to see the consequences of. They're not being a Spider-Man. I think that's going to be interesting to explore in the third movie.
0: Yeah, I'm curious how that will go. A Part of me wanted the spot to be more active at the ending uh, to set that up because kind of what I was talking about is like, yes, it is a huge moment for Miles to tell his mom he's Spider-Man. With what we were watching him deal with at the beginning of this movie, it's just very clear. It reminded me of Doctor Strange in No Way Home where he's telling Peter Parker, like, the reason why he's having all these issues is because he's living two separate lives. Um, and after a while that just becomes impossible to manage. And we see that Miles is not able to manage being both himself and like kind of live his life and be a kid and be Spider-Man on top of that. Like it just ends up hurting people. Uh so it's a huge moment at the end whenever he tells his mom he's Spider-Man. I just didn't love that it wasn't really his mom. (laughs) And like all like that advice that she gave him, it wasn't her advice. So it kind of made me feel like, oh, we're kind of cutting off Miles' arc a little bit here, and I, I feel like we're just going to get a scene in the next one, which is going to be similar, where he tells his actual mom that he's Spider-Man, and we're going to be like, I eh, wish they hadn't wasted that one at the end of the last one.
2: I trust his team enough, though, to to do that moment
0: again with his real mom and make it meaningful, and I'm ex- really excited to see that, too. Yeah. Uh, but speaking of, like, I kind of... I, I, the Prowler thing was cool, but I did want the spot to be more involved. So we, t- we talked a lot about Miguel, but did you guys, like, really like the spot? Because, um... I, th- I just thought it was cool how, like, I don't know, the way the writing handled that I thought was so great. Like Miguel talking about how, remember what happened in the last movie? Like, you know, you basically opened up the multiverse and you created this villain that can traverse it. And whenever something goes wrong like a canon event, his powers are what starts to, you know, tear the worlds apart. So it's just like this guy they created on accident is like accidentally <laughs> becoming the biggest threat to the entire multiverse. And I just thought it was so cool. And J- Jason Schwartzman's voice for it, pitch perfect.
2: Yeah, the voice is perfect. I guess with the spot for me, um, I don't know if I have a ton to say because like you said, he doesn't have that big of a presence towards the end of the movie. I did like that it goes from, oh, this will be a, a fun running jokey villain fight to, oh, this guy's actually becoming really scary and intimidating. I'm just excited to see him be the main center focused villain in the next one.
1: Yeah, me too. Because uh, you kind of you lose track of him in, in this one. Because he's kind of like building, 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 and then cut 30, 40 minutes. We're in the Spider-Verse and you forget about him.
2: We are talking a lot about how we're excited to see X plot happen in the third movie. So I guess that takes me into one of my, I guess you could call it a nitpick, maybe a broader issue. But do you think the third act of this film is setting up too much for the third movie? Is there kind of a middle movie problem here? Um, Once we get to the third movie and we see all the stuff we're excited for, are we going to look back on this one and feel all of the important stuff happens
0: in the third film? So my concern, like I said, the Prowler reveal was cool. I'm nervous that, like, you know, Glenn puts this team together um, and they're going to go help Miles. And like, I mean, what do you guys think is the first act of the next movie just going to basically be getting Miles out of that earth? And then the actual movie starts where it's like, okay, now we have to actually go and defeat the spot. I'm just nervous, like, after we watch, like, the beginning of the next movie, are we going to be like, why the fuck did they do that stuff towards the end of the last one? Like, well, did it really pay off? Was, was it that great in the long run? Because it happened very quick. The movie ended. And then this one starts. Gwen and the co- Gwen and team saved me. And then now we'll go fight the spot. Because that's what we knew the movie was about. So it's like, I- I'm nervous that maybe they shouldn't have introduced this at the end of this one. So that's kind of the main thing that made me feel like maybe this does have a middle movie issue because whenever to be continued popped up like if it had been a scene where like the spot for example like kidnaps miles and like reiterates i'm truly your ultimate villain i prove that to you i'm not a joke and i'm gonna go kill your dad because you took everything from me i told you i was gonna take everything from you i mean it i've trapped you i'm gonna go kill your dad and then to be continued had popped up That would have felt more natural to me where this one is just like a random scene where here's another Miles Morales. He's a bad guy to be continued. It's like, okay. (laughs) So I'm a little bit nervous about, you know, looking back on it and being like, eh, I didn't love the ending of that kind of felt like a middle movie problem.
2: Yeah, I guess I'll say two things to that. One is I'll give the same answer I gave a little bit ago. I trust this team enough to make it more interesting than that. So they've just earned enough goodwill with me. But the other thing I'll say is I thought this movie was ending like eight different times. So I was definitely feeling the runtime a little bit. There are just so many moments where the, the music was queuing up. Um, and then maybe there'd be like a brief cut to black moment and then it would keep going. And I was like, oh, I guess we're still in this. Like, um, so I think if we had ended after the, I'm going to do my own thing. And then he jumps back to his own world, cut to black to be continued. Maybe we would then explore all this stuff in the beginning of the third movie. And we wouldn't be feeling the second movie problem.
1: I'm still not quite there. I guess that the the spot's going to be like... A crazy villain, I guess you could say. Like, I think he is, but like you said, or like I said earlier, he was kind of out of the movie for 30 minutes at least. Yeah. Um, so I just kind of forgot about him and then we're supposed to come back and be kind of scared of him. And I'm like, eh, okay. I was more scared of Uncle Aaron and the Prowler Miles in the, uh, the wrong universe than I was at the spot.
2: I wonder if they could be our big bads in the next one. Maybe the spot gets handled early on.
0: I do think the spot will end up being the big bad and I have to imagine there's eventually going to be something where Miles and Gwen or whoever ends up convincing Miguel, you know, to join their ranks uh to take him down. I just don't think because they've set up that there's so many spider people on this, I just can't imagine that Uncle Aaron and Prowler are the ones that are the main issue. Uh, I feel like one of them could just, like, punch them in the face, and then it's like, all right, we did it. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll see. I don't know. Like I, like Austin said, you know, we we trust this team, but, you know, they could definitely kind of subvert, subvert what we're thinking. So I don't know. Um, but it doesn't really matter. Even though I didn't love, like, where the movie ended and, like, in the middle of Miles' arc and then To Be Continued to pop up, it didn't mean that I didn't get really hype whenever Gwen's, like, monologuing about how they're going to, you know— Save him, stop the spot, and make it all right. And then the camera kind of pans back and you see the team she's assembled, and she even calls out, and we got some old friends. You see my boy, Nick Cage, Spider-Man Noir. I'm like, this is gonna be incredible. And they did a good job, I thought, throughout both movies, setting up like so whenever this one ends and you see that team, you're like, that's awesome. Like Spider-Man India's reaction, whenever Miles was able to save the captain, and then like the camera kind of pulls back and you see he's on the team. You see, Hobie isn't a part of the spider society anymore, but he is going to go and help Miles. It was like, awesome. So this is going to be sick. I loved when Hobie was just like, by the way, I quit and just leaves. (laughs) (sighs) Whenever he showed my, whenever they did the callback to the palm thing, whenever he like comes on and he's like, you got to use, you can't use your fingertips. You got to use your palms. And like whenever Miles is trapped in that little prison, while everybody's arguing with Miguel, it just cuts over to Hobie in the middle of it. And he's just like, flashing his palms to miles and then miles breaks out he's just like fuck yeah (laughs) so cool so speaking of the sequel um i think part of the reason why this one movie took five years to come out in addition to some covid delays and things like that is uh they were actually working on the sequel at the same time as this movie so it's scheduled um for less than a year which is exciting on march 29th 2024 there's also a female focus spinoff in development as well apparently Um, So since this one ended in such a clear cliffhanger, what are you excited about specifically when it comes to the sequel? We've been throwing around some ideas when it comes to, you know, who the main villain might be, what this team might look like that Gwen's putting together, how Miles will fit into all that uh, and all that good stuff. So what do you guys want to see?
2: I'm definitely excited to see the team from the first movie back uh, together. And, of course, our some of our new additions from this movie. I'm also just really excited to spend more time with Oscar Isaac's uh, Miguel O'Hara. I'm really excited to learn more about the Spider-Man 2099 because um, he's a character I'm very unfamiliar with. Um, And then as far as things I'm excited to see, I'm actually really excited to see the resolution with Miles and his parents. Um, They've done such a good job of making that relationship um, emotional, impactful, meaningful. So I'm excited to see him come to terms with himself. And I really hope his dad makes it out of the third movie alive.
1: Yeah, same. I do hope we get a cool ending with maybe his dad knowing that he's Spider-Man and maybe they could work together as cop and Spider-Man um, and not have the whole mystery thing going on the whole time between him and his family. That'd be a, a different take that we haven't gotten before. So
2: Their conversation in this movie, though, when he was as Spider-Man and just Casually, like, maybe you should cut the kids from slack and stuff. Yeah. So funny. Get off
1: his ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I love all the dialogue in both these movies, too. It's very good voice acting, for sure.
0: Yeah, I'm right there with you. Like, I'm excited for, like, the resolution to the spot. I just, I'm, with, like, having the first team back from the first movie and, like, joining the second team and it being kind of an amalgamation of all these things with presumably Gwen and Miles at the head of it. Like, we're going to get so much sick action. Like, I'm just, I'm so excited for, like, the big stuff and to your guys' point, also the small stuff. Like, I'm really curious how he's going to have resolution with his family. Like, at this point, I think he tells them he's Spider-Man and it's, like, totally fine. Like, maybe they're a little bit worried. But at this point, I just think it's going to go, like, good. (laughs) But the question is, will his dad be there or not? Because while I was confused about the stakes of this movie, like I talked about, that being kind of my biggest issue with the movie, I still... I'm not like, I'm still scared for his dad because like, yes, I guess with that quick scene with Gwen at the end and her dad, it's like, oh, okay so maybe there is a way to kind of rewrite our stories a little bit without like destroying the world. So I guess in that sense, they could save his dad. But we literally watch Miles save the captain in Spider-Man India's world. And then immediately like the world, like this big wormhole or like a spot, I guess, opens up and it starts eating itself. So it's like. If they save him, do they start to doom other people? Is there a scene where they realize he has to die as fucked up as that would be? So I'm just excited that I genuinely don't know if he will make it through or not. Like, will he live long enough to find out his son is Spider-Man? Oh, don't cry. Um, But yeah, I'm just so excited for that stuff, too. Like, I don't know what the resolution is going to be. And it's always fun. Like. Having no clue what to expect. <laughs> like, I, like I'm gonna, I've been theorizing ever since I saw the first movie and nothing has stuck yet. Like, I have no clue how it's going to wrap up and I'm excited about that.
2: I do see a path where since Miles is the original anomaly, that he has to rescind his powers in order to save the world he's on now and also save his dad. Because then there won't be a canon
0: event for him. Hmm. That's a good theory. That could be interesting. Also, do you think they just leave Earth 42 alone? (laughs) Like, it's the (laughs) Earth without a Spider Man that's just like crime ridden and fucked up. Like, I I was laughing, thinking about, like, what if they save Miles' dad and it's like, I'm Spider Man. My parents know they're part of the team. It's all good. I have all my friends. Life is good at college. I I got accepted. Uh, I can see my Gwen and Peter all the time. And then just like flash cuts to Earth 42 and just on fire. Like, (laughs) oh, fuck, I forgot about that.
2: (laughs) I bet he inspires. The Earth-42 miles enough that the Prowler becomes that world's hero. Mm. Maybe. that to be cool. Maybe, yeah.
0: I'd like that. All right, guys. Well, good stuff. Before we can close out, though, we got to do some Arnie's Podcast Awards. This is the part of our show where we take something from the thing, movie, TV, show, whatever it was we just watched, we call out something positive, negative, or something in between. It's just something that we feel deserves an award. So, Austin and Keith, what are you going to award today?
2: Yeah, I will be giving... um. The Shaft Award to this movie. Mm. And uh, it's because our friend Genki really got the shaft in this movie. He has one uh, scene. Yeah. They totally forgot about him. Uh, I think he's still sitting in his dorm room just playing Spider-Man PS4. So, Yeah,
0: I thought there was Genki gonna be more to his roommate. <laughs> Not much. Because, <laughs> yeah, wait, his roommate knows he's Spider-Man. I got, yeah, I totally forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah
2: he, he really got the shaft in this one.
1: All right, I'm going to give the... His, a common award from our podcast. I'm going to give the best hair award, and that goes to Spider Man India. But you could also argue that Hobie.
0: I thought you were giving it to Hobie.
1: You think it's Hobie? I'll, I'll, I'm going to go ahead and give it to Spider Man India and Hobie.
0: Okay. I'm going to give the I Have Questions award, and I don't want to bring the room down. I don't want to kind of bring this type of tone in here, but I have to say, I thought about it, and then I kind of couldn't stop thinking about it, and I was a little bit like, uh oh. So Miles and Gwen, even though they don't look it, I believe they're like 15 and 16, right? And so the question I have is, how old is Hobie? (laughs) Because (laughs) kind of implying that Quinn is uh, (laughs) staying over with old Hobie quite a bit. So, you know, Miles doesn't look 15. I think that's part of the animation style. So I was just, I have questions and I'm hoping beyond hope that it's just an animation thing. Hobie is actually a a nice 16-year-old boy. (laughs) I really hope so. (laughs) Uh, At the very minimum, 17, but you you can't make him older than 18 or else it gets weird. I was like, isn't Gwen like 16? And they're talking about like, yeah, she's a toothbrush at my place. I'm like, these are kids, right?
2: (laughs) (laughs) I did love the line when Miles was like, I'm just a really uh, emotionally intelligent guy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He had so many good lines. (laughs) Did you, were you guys hoping that uh, whenever they had that really emotional line, whenever Gwen's like, in every universe, Spider-Man falls for Gwen Stacy? It doesn't go well. Did you want Miles to ask why? And then she could say, well, she usually ends up splatting the back of her head on concrete.
2: <laughs> 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 she usually ends up in uh, what's considered the worst Spider-Man
0: franchise, even though I love it. Wow. That's high praise. <laughs> well, before we do another full review on The Amazing Spider-Man 2 and the death of Gwen Stacy, let's close out. Thank you all so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit that follow button so you never miss her upcoming content. Also, if you wouldn't mind sharing us with a friend, we would really appreciate that. So you continue to grow the show, please leave us reviews as well. Even if you don't want to write anything, leaving us a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you ever get your podcasts, really does help us out. At The Arneys is our social, and the Arnie's.media is the website. We'll be back next Tuesday for our discussion on the third and so-called final season of Ted Lasso. The season has proved to be a bit more divisive than the very highly regarded first two, so I think, regardless, it's going to be an interesting conversation. And also last week, uh, we
2: put out our random movie bracket. We all selected just a random list of 12 movies and pitted them together to find out what is our best random movie to watch. Uh, did Christian Bale's Reign of Fire, where he fights dragons with 19 McConaughey, go all the way and win? Well, you have to go check that episode Maybe. out to find
0: out. Maybe.
1: And lastly, we want to hear from you guys. So please send us a message on Instagram at the Arnie's or email us the at gmail.com. What did you think of Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse? Are you as excited as Matt about the return of Nicolas Cage as Spider-Man Noir in the sequel? Anything you say, we'll read on the show and react to it live in our latest episode.
0: That's right, everybody. Hope you enjoyed this one. Have a great rest of your week. We'll be back next time with Ted Lasso. See you then.
2: See ya. Give Genki the respect he deserves.